Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and we are uh, in the book of Hebrews. That's where we're at for today. Um, It's getting closer to the fall as we look forward to some of the fall weather, maybe not today necessarily, but we're kind of working our way through the year. I don't know what number of podcasts this is, 30-something, likely that, but we are um, in the month of, what month are we in? August, yeah, in the month of August, and we're studying through the book of Hebrews, and I've got Nathan with me today. He's going to help me to understand the rest of the book of Hebrews, right? Uh, (laughs) Chapters 10 through 13. Um, Probably some of the more familiar chapters, some of the ones that you've probably heard sermons preached from. Um, Is there a famous sermon you've heard, Nathan, from Hebrews, like one that you remember? Nothing that comes to my mind right now. (laughs) Nothing that comes to your mind right now. uh, Well, now that I think about it, several that from uh, the 12th chapter. From the 12th chapter, yeah, running the race. And and, And um, the discipline thing. Oh, yeah. Getting everybody to doubt their salvation because they can't remember when they've been disciplined. Discipline from God, yeah. We'll we'll get into that uh, as we work our way to there. I I did want to, before we start, just to kind of step back just a little bit into chapter 9, because chapter 9 kind of Mm. talks about, um, we're talking about, well, the argument in the book of Hebrews is that Christ is so much better, and that's simply put. And so we have a group of Jewish believers here who have accepted Christ as their Messiah, but they're thinking about going back to the old ways, going back to the old law, um, and, and finding a way to be saved through that, we might say. And obviously the author of the book of Hebrews is showing them, listen, that's a ridiculous idea because Christ is so much better. And part of the rest of, or part of the end of chapter 9, the author's trying to demonstrate how the old system had its value, but the new system through Christ is so much better. Mm-hmm. And I've been asked before, and you probably have, well then, why in the world, if the old system was temporary, then why in the world did God create it? I've been asked that question before as well, people trying to understand, if this new system through Jesus is so much better, then why would God have the Israelites go through that old system, that sacrificial system in the Old Testament? I mean, think about all the difficulties, Mm. all the hardships, all the rules and regulations Mm. you had to. And I don't think there's any real... Uh, simple answer. I think the easiest answer that I understand is that, you know, Jesus Christ came into the world at a specific time in history, in, in our time as we mm-hmm. as we consider time, and even then, before then, God still wanted a way that people could approach Him. You know, today we can approach Jesus freely because of His sacrifice. We can go to the throne, go to prayer. And, and, and ask requests of him. But in the Old Testament, you couldn't do that necessarily. You had to go through the sacrificial system uh, because Jesus, the completion of that sacrificial system, was not here yet in that manner of time. So when I look at the sacrificial system, I look at it as a, as a sense of mercy or grace, how God was merciful enough to still provide a way mm-hmm. for people to approach him, even though Jesus hadn't come on the scene in time yet. Of course, we today can look back and be thankful for his sacrifice because we know he's already come. So just to understand the contrast between those two, and that's a big part of the discussion in the book of Hebrews, and we didn't get to that last week, but just to understand that you know, God doesn't make mistakes. There's no hiccups or whoops. You know, I made, I made a mistake. So when he created that Old Testament system, of course, he knew when he was going to send his son into the world. So he created that Old Testament sacrificial system as a means for them still to approach God. Because you know what the Scripture says 
uh, what is that passage in uh, Hebrews, or not in Hebrews, and Peter say, God is not willing that any should perish, but all, all should, should come, come no matter what time, mm-hmm. what genre, or what epoch in history a person lives, you know, um, God wanted to make a way for everyone. Anyway, I just wanted to highlight that. We need to move into chapter 10, though, because this for this week, chapter 10 through 13 is what we're going to be talking about. And I love chapter 10. It's one of my favorite chapters in Hebrews because it talks about Christ's sacrifice and how, you know, the Old Testament system, continuing that thought, wasn't, uh, wasn't going to work and it wasn't good enough. And I love how it says, I think halfway through chapter 10, what it says that Jesus, he became our once and for all sacrifice. And I love that verse. I think it's verse 10 in my translation. It says, for God's will was to be made holy, um, or that we be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for, for all time. Mm-hmm. And that's isn't that a good phrase? Yeah, it is. Philip Bliss used it in the hymn, once for all, O sinner, receive it. Once for all, O brother, believe it. Is that uh, him based upon this text? Is that what he? Oh, I'd imagine it. It, it is. You yeah. think it is? I'm pretty sure it is. That's interesting. So you never know what you're gonna. As we sing hymns and stuff, they're gonna be based on some really good uh, texts of scripture. Well, I found one hymn that n- practically nobody knows. Really? And I brought it up in a couple lessons and sermons recently, and uh, it was Isaac Watts who wrote it, and it it must be based on these chapters here, like right. seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. And it said, not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace, nor wash away the stain. But Christ, the Holy Lamb, takes all our sins away. A sacrifice of better blood and nobler name than they. Wow. Now you can see the words aren't that beautiful, (laughs) but it it, it has a very... uh, yeah, that comes Very from this chapter. I, I that comes from several verses here. I can't. I'm thinking in my in my brain here, and I'm, I'm I can't find them. But and I I think like in verse four, is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. Yeah, and, and uh, you know you see over and over again he he mentions that it was not an effective sacrifice, the Old Testament system, and it was not permanent. Right. It was over and over and over again. And another thing, it was a at the very first verse, it was a shadow. And not a, an image. Um, I know one commentator says it's not a portrait, or if it had been written in modern days, it would right. be not a photograph. Right. So it's kind of a grainy thing. It's very unclear. This well, it's clear to us because we can look back. We'll look back at it. Right. But imagine going through that period of time and wondering what it was all about. Imagine and imagine, and we've talked about this before. You look back at the system, the Old Testament sacrificial system. We're like, well, duh. Come on, you guys. Don't you see the? Don't you see how it's pointing to Jesus and everything? Because yeah. we're looking back from our point in time. But you're right. It's like a mosaic. It's very grainy, mm-hmm. and you have a hard time piecing it together. And we think Isaiah 53 is very clear. Yes. And it's yeah, very, it is very clear to us. It yeah. is, and I think it's probably the most clear of any of the New Test or Old Testament passages. Um, but yet they still struggle with it. Now I, I found those verses because they start in verse 19 of chapter 10. You're talking about with this song. He says, "I'm reading from NLT." And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By His death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place. Since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. And there's the verse, or there's the phrase: "For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with the blood, with Christ's blood, to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And therefore, let us." 
I always mm-hmm. like the good vegetable that's in lettuce. us. <laughs> let us let us hold tightly. Let us think. Let us not neglect. So yeah, that is a, not a common song with lots of mm-hmm. popular phrases that we remember easily. But I wonder how many of those hymns were written uh, based. I guess all hymns are written based upon a text. Mm-hmm. Would you say so? And and but but I wonder how many of those are really good hymns that we just they never caught on, you know, not popular right. that are real be- that are based upon really good scripture text. Not that this one's better than any other scripture text, but I guess the blood of beasts on Jewish <laughs> altar slain is not real appealing to no, not in this culture. As far as the words go, you know, but, probably uh, not in any culture. Yeah, but it's true. I mean, it's accurate. But it had to be reading through this passage. It had I to be. I don't know the background of the hymn, but. And it really came clear while reading through these passages. Um, <laughs> so as you get to the end of chapter 10, chapter 10 is kind of, um, he, he's summing up his argument that he's made, the author to Hebrews chapter 1 all the way up through chapter 10 about Jesus is so much better. And so he says, because of that or based upon all of that, he says we need to, and there's your verse, verse 23, hold tightly without wavering to the hope we have in God. Let us think of ways to motivate others. Let us not neglect our meeting together. And he continues on with some, some more information about how they suffered and how they endured. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying that you guys need to have patient endurance um, because they were having a hard time. They were being persecuted. They were suffering for following this new and better way, which mm-hmm. is Jesus, just like we have suffering and persecution today. And um, he didn't want them to give up. He wanted to encourage them. And, of course, that's why you have chapter 11 mm-hmm. of the book of Hebrews, because he says, hey, wait a minute, let me give you some examples of people who didn't give up, faith right. examples, we might say. And all of chapter 11, your hall of faith, all 40-some verses. I mean, I know I've heard sermons preached right. from these chapters. I mean, you can look down as you read through them, all these examples of, of people who... And some of them you look at and say, well, why are they here? Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best, uh, best person to be here, but nonetheless, by faith, um, they go. And it's kind of... It starts... I think it does. Does it not start from like the beginning... And it goes from Abel and Cain and all the way down to the end. Yeah, in a chronological fashion. So that's mm-hmm. kind of a good way of going through the Scripture mm-hmm. that way. And it's also the way that, that a Jewish person, mm-hmm. you know, how they like to recount history and how God has worked for them in the past, kind of from the beginning all the way up to the current time. So what about chapter 11? Is there anything there that's, that's special or specific well, maybe, maybe a couple things. To you, a um, couple verses? Well, I mean, there should be more than just a couple. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> bro, I... I would say that most people would say that um, verse 6 perhaps would be a key verse Yeah. in the passage. Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that comes to God must believe that he is a rewarder. He is, and he is a reward of them that diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. And then you, you see what faith is all about in the life of Abraham, where he did, not, uh, he did not know where he was going, but he trusted God, he obeyed God, and um, these people who didn't receive these promises but yet believed in them. Yeah. And, and that's um, a part of that looking forward that we mm-hmm. talked about, how, you know, they died without seeing, you know, Jesus come and become the sacrificial lamb. They look forward to the fact that one day it would happen. They believe mm-hmm. that one day the perfect sacrifice would be made on their behalf. Just like mm-hmm. today, we believe that one day 
when we die, we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. So it's in the same way. It's just, again, like we said, like I said earlier, in the constraints of time, mm-hmm. you know, God sends Jesus in at this time in our, uh, in our, in our timeline, I guess you'd say, um, and they're looking for that promise. We're looking back at the promise. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no reason why we shouldn't have faith if we know that it happened. But these these characters here in the Old Testament are looking forward to the day when it would be. Um, and I wonder, you know, uh, upon their death, you know, being in the presence of Christ, I wonder what a what a good feeling that would be because now they see what their mm-hmm, hope was right. or their hope towards. Uh, so in the same way they're looking forward, we look forward today too. I mean, we have right. that same hope uh, of heaven one day. And... Uh, but I like also how it includes other people towards the end. It doesn't really name them, does it? No. And uh, But it talks about a lot of them. Um, and some of these ones I don't know if I'd include. I mean, you got people like Gideon who faltered and failed right. and Jephthah. But mm-hmm. it just reminds us that, you know, God can use anybody. And just because you might have one or two or 10 or 20 years of mm-hmm. of not following Jesus, it doesn't mean that he's going to give up on you. Um, and, and I like all the different examples. And, and I've heard preachers go through, and you probably have as well, talk about what they think they refer to, um, like in verse what 35 or 36. Others were tortured, mm-hmm. refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with a sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats. Always wondered about that one. Yeah. And destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Um, and I like what this says. This phrase is really powerful. And I think besides maybe verse 1 or verse 6 of this chapter, to me it's one of the most important verses here. It says, They were too good for this world. Mm-hmm. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. They were too good for this world. It's almost as if, um, I, I don't know how you could explain that. They were too good for this world. Probably has something to do with the faith element that they uh, chose Probably. what they could not see rather than... And it also reminds me of something that I noticed years ago in the verses about Moses uh-huh. in verse 24 and how you can line that up with uh, what the world offers in John chapter 2. By faith, when Moses, when he's come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and I think that kind of lines up with the pride of life. He could have been offered a position as the son, recognized as the son of Pharaoh's daughters, and then choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Yeah. And that can go along with the lust of the flesh. Flesh, right. And then esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Yeah. Lust of the eyes, yeah. right there, and that was, you know, those were three things that were offered to Jesus in Satan's temptation: the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride. Of life. And right. the same three things that were offered to uh, Adam yeah. and Eve. Eve Garden, yeah. So I, I would go through that, but I can't. You know, she looked at the food, <laughs> saw it was good. You right. Know. Yeah, I can't remember. Either. To make one wise, the pride of life, and uh, so those three temptations were kind of like, I guess we might say, the main categories. From which all other temptations come mm-hmm. from. I guess you can. And there are the things we can see. To. Exactly. It's the opposite of uh, living by faith. Right. Right. Another thing I, I think of when we get that big long list you were talking about of, yeah. of what they went through. I think about the end of Romans chapter eight and that list of things 
we could go through right. that could that some people may think separate us from the love of God, but they can never can separate never separate us from the love of God. So we're living by faith. We have a God who loves us, and that love will never be separate. We'll never be separated from God's love because of anything that comes into our lives. And that and that's something that you know when the author writes Hebrews here. It's supposed to be encouragement. Say, hey, look, there are plenty of examples in Scripture of people who had it rough, you know, going back to chapter 10, because they were complaining about all the stuff that was going on in their life and how they're like, mm. we don't want to meet together as a church because if we do, we're going to start being persecuted even worse. And he says, look, Scripture is full of examples. And it goes down through 40 verses of all mm. and lists all the different things. And it says... Um, uh, it ends it in chapter, or in the, excuse me, at the end of chapter 11, it says, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. Remember, they're still looking forward mm-hmm. to it. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. And now, so, is that to, to me, like a hinge verse. Yeah, yeah. Take us into chapter 12. Let's yeah, get on board. Exactly. And let's live this life. Right, because here's the examples. And, and really, chapter 12 is like, you know, it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like Romans chapter 12, right? Therefore, mm-hmm. my beloved brothers, uh, be swift to hear... Wait a minute. No, no, that's James. That's James. <laughs> Sorry. When you have lots of verses in your memory bank, it's hard to... Um, um, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy except <laughs> to the Lord. In yeah. Ro- Let me make the comparison. In Romans chapters 1 through 11, you know, Paul's demonstrating, you know, the doctrinal portion of it. And because of all that Christ has done for us, he says in chapter 12, verse 1, therefore you should present your bodies as a living sacrifice, whole and acceptable God. It's your reasonable, it's your natural, it's your logical service. Because of all what Christ has done, you should want to serve him. Mm-hmm. It sounds like the same thing here. Look at all of what Christ is and has done mm-hmm. for you and how he is so much better. Therefore, Let's serve him. Chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us, again, here's your let us, strip off every weight that stops us. Let us run with endurance the race that he set before us. And, of course, it talks about how that's important. And so as a result, it's it's kind of similar. And Maybe there's a good comparison there. Maybe somebody's done a study of Hebrews 12, the first couple of verses of Romans 12. I'd like to see a comparison between the two. Because there's a lot of similarities. Of course, that might also make the case for maybe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Hebrews, Could have. I don't think it was Paul. I don't know who it was. I've said that before. Um, But I don't think it was Paul. But I'm not sure who it was. I'll say it that way. So chapter 12 is great. And you said you've heard sermons preached here. Chapter 12, there's some uh, um, like running the race Olympic Mm -hmm. type metaphors and, and imagery here in chapter 12. Um, but the most important part, I think he says, is let us run with endurance. Um, and we do this, verse 2, by looking keeping our eyes on Jesus or looking mm-hmm. unto Jesus. And so if there's a way to run the race, the simple way that this author says, he says, just keep your eyes on Jesus every single day. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's as simple as that. And look at his example as we go through verse 2 and verse 3, you know. That he endured the cross, uh, despising the shame, and sat down, finished his course, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the place of authority. And for sinner, for consider him that had such in, endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your mind, because you have not resisted unto blood striving against sin. 
So if Jesus can do it, we can do it, is what he's saying. But obviously, Jesus endured a lot more. I mean, you think about all that he had to had to endure um, and still did it and still did it willingly and said, look at, you know, he, and again, he's kind of summing up all of his argument here. You know, look, this is Jesus. This is your salvation. He did all this for you. Surely, surely you can endure a little bit here. Surely you can be patient. Surely you can run the race. And it reminds me of the chapter in James, you know, how the first chapter of James, it talks about trials, it talks about endurance. And a lot of people want to pray for, Lord, get me out of this trial. I don't want to be Mm -hmm. in this trial. But James says the opposite is true. He says you need to patiently endure through it. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying, listen, you know, trials and struggles and difficulties are not going to go away. They're part of life. You've got to endure through it. But then you've also have to endure the hard part, which is the discipline part, mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier. Um, and this is the section. There's been lots of uh, warning passages throughout the book of Hebrews saying, listen, pay attention. Make sure you listen to my instruction. Don't be immature. Don't unbelieve. You know, don't do these things. All the four, five, six, I can't remember how many warning passages are. And uh, he gets down to here and says, As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as its own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by, its, by, or by his father? And if God dis- doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his child at all. Mm-hmm. It says, Since we respected our earthly fathers, verse 9, who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and our life forever? For earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. Now, I underline that verse. What do you think about that verse? It says, but God's discipline is always good for us. Your translation might say it different at the end of verse 10, so that we might share in His holiness. It's interesting, huh? Well, there, there's a purpose behind his disciplining us that we might share in his holiness or that we might become as I believe I believe might, might be able to compare this to Romans 8, 28, and 29. Mm-hmm. So we might be conformed to the image of Christ. Image of Christ. And I feel like it's it's you know, going back to the Old Testament system, that idea of be holy for I am holy, and how everything that God did in the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was to help the people be holy mm-hmm. so they could approach a holy God. Right. And um, it's almost as if he's saying, he's saying, listen, I'm disciplining you because I want you to be more holy. Mm-hmm. Be holy for I am holy so that you can have maybe... Uh, not better access, but um, a stronger relationship, a more mature relationship with me. And, of course, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Do you ever remember being disciplined and being happy you were disciplined? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't ever remember it being happy when, uh, you know, your parents say go get a switch or you hear the belt come off the belt belt. pants, you know, whip (laughs) off the belt or the belt loops or or you go hear – going to get a, a spoon or something. Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember that being a joyous occasion. He says it's, it, it's not happy while it's happening. It's painful. But afterwards, he says, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those mm-hmm. who are trained in this way. Of course, yeah. we're not talking about physical discipline here, not necessarily like you would discipline a child. The comparison is here. But the point is true that, you know, I think it's important for us to recognize and be sensitive 
to mm-hmm. God every single day, to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit. And if something does come into our life, it's kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Maybe we need to sit back and consider that it could be discipline. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that every case would be discipline. Right. I wouldn't say that just because you stub your toe in the morning, God's trying to get your attention. Right. Just he study, might, look at Job and you might know that. Yeah, <laughs> He might be, or it might just be that, uh, you know, you're having trouble in the morning time mm-hmm. getting up out of bed. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we all have trouble in the morning getting out of bed. Yeah. We live in a sin-cursed world, mm-hmm. and there are diseases and things that just happen to us just by the fact that we live in that world. Um, and so it, it's hard to, I don't know, maybe we should say it's hard to really discern sometimes if mm-hmm. it's discipline or if it's not. I would think if it's the same thing happening a lot, that maybe it is God trying to get your attention, like mm. warning signs. Right. You know, like on the interstate, every time you get on, there's always a speed limit sign. I never see the signs because <laughs> I'm going so fast. <laughs> That's the warning. <laughs> and they always put it on the exit ramp. As you get on the exit ramp, just a few, you know, 100 yards past mm-hmm. it. So as you get on, you know. You get on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some warning signs. Yep. So maybe that's the case. You know, I, I don't really know. I think that just in general, um, we just need to be sensitive and just be listening, which means we need to be paying attention mm-hmm. um, and not just drifting. Um, uh, along in life, and, and sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes it's difficult to dis- to discern, you know, is this discipline? Is it not? But I think regardless if it is or or if it's not, we still should we still should look at it and uh, uh, um, assess it, pray about it, talk to God about it, mm-hmm. and uh, be thankful for it. Right. Because He actually cares about us. Mm, right. Shows his love. Shows his love because he wants us to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we, uh, that's why discipline is there because that's for our benefit. Right. I'm doing this because I love you. Yeah. Uh, I've heard those words I before. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said those words necessarily to my kids when I was disciplining them. <laughs> I do this because I love you, you know, but that's the intent of my heart. Yeah. You know, I don't think I ever said that to them necessarily. I'm sure somebody has. Um, but some real spiritual person. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the case. But you know what? Part of discipline uh, is, is knowing that we have a mm-hmm. loving God who actually is concerned about us. Right. And, and, you know, as insignificant as we might be to the rest of existence, um, God still cares about each and every one of us. And that's something to be thankful for. Um, Definitely to be thankful for. Well, the rest of chapter 12 is kind of a, a comparison. He kind of goes on a comparison about Mount Sinai and about mm-hmm. Mount Zion. Of course, Mount Sinai being the place where the law was received and Moses and the Ten Commandments, and then Mount Zion, where Jesus will come back at the second coming, touch down on the mountain. And he's comparing the two. Uh, you might call this the tale of two mountains, maybe this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just making a comparison about how one, um, you know, you've got Mount Sinai, and it was the place where Moses received the law, and it was a place kind of of judgment because of what happened there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, remember when Moses came down and they were all worshiping the golden calf? Right. And he got angry mm-hmm. and kind of a place of judgment, you might say, versus Mount Zion, which is different. Um, and... Uh, uh, He's, he's kind of highlighting the differences um, between the two. And then you get to chapter 13. And chapter 13 is a, I feel like 
um, chapter 13 is he's trying to tell us everything he wanted to tell us, but didn't have a chance to tell us. Right. You know what I mean? Like all these final instructions, final instructions, barking out all these commands. But verse one always hits me hard because it says, keep on or let brotherly love or keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Why would it have to tell you to love your brother and sister? I guess because (laughs) naturally we're a little bit selfish and self-seeking and thinking about ourselves. But, you know, you know, back in chapter 11, you have wherefore lift up the hands that hang down. Yeah. You have uh, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves yeah. together. So there's there's our part in the um, in helping others, you know, to fulfill whatever God would have for them. And don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Think about that today. You know, people come up to our door and knock on and show hospitality, you know, a little different than what it was during that time. Um, in fact, if I remember correctly, this was something that was related to false teachers because sometimes, you know, when, when you traveled around in the ancient world, you relied on people's hospitality to, uh, to let you stay a night or two while you were traveling through. And I, I'm pretty sure one of, this is, one of these verses related to that idea of where you had someone come in who was maybe an itinerant preacher or teacher, and he wanted to get to the next town, so you let him stay for the night. Um, and then he wants to stay another night. You let him stay for a second night. But then it says, if you let him for, stay for a third night, then he's a false prophet is what it said mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> because he's kind of monopolizing the time. Right. And uh, But nonetheless, we're supposed to show hospitality. And we've all been burned, maybe we, we could say, right. um, by being hospitable to others. And uh, we've maybe have paid for it or we've gotten our hands dirty by helping someone. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't turned out the way that we wanted it to turn there are out. Scammers out there. Yeah, lots yeah. of scammers out mm-hmm. there. Um, but nonetheless, some peddling the supposedly the gospel. Right, but then but they then think s- that gain is godliness. But then it says, "Be careful, because for some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing mm-hmm. it." Mm-hmm. So I wonder how many times that's true. I've often thought about that. I wonder how many times you know we stopped and and did something good for someone else knowing it was going to be hard, knowing it was going to be dirty and messy. Mm-hmm. And then it's like that person, you don't ever see them anymore. It's like they disappear. Right. I wonder how many times we've entertained angels unaware without, without knowing about it. Um, and I'm sure you guys have stories out there in, in Bible reader land, I guess is what we should call it, our audience, of, of times when this has happened to you. But I feel like the last little bit here is just a bunch of different commands. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, uh, different things here. And of course, a really good verse here is chapter 13, verse 8, that says, you know, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. and forever. And I think that's interesting because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And all of what Hebrews has done, showing how Jesus from all the way from beginning to now, you know, he's the same. He hasn't changed. The plan hasn't changed. He's the same. And uh, it says there in verse 13, I've got it circled, um, Verse 11, under the old system, the high priest brought the blood of animals into the holy place as a sacrifice for sin, and the bodies of the animals were burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered and died outside the camp to make his people holy by means of the blood. You think about that, the reference there, and it's interesting because I didn't notice that before, but you know, when they took the sin offering, when Moses, or excuse me, when Aaron put his hands on the scapegoat and took, they took mm-hmm. the sin offering outside the camp. And Jesus was also crucified as a sin offering mm-hmm. outside of the city. Right. So there's, there's the reference. There's a connection. Um, and I think that's really powerful. And it says, so let us go out to him outside the camp and bear the disgrace. Then here's your song. 
for this world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to home yet again. We're just (laughs) passing through. Our treasures are laid up, and it goes on. And it gives some additional commands about uh, um, obeying your spiritual leaders, Mm -hmm. how you should uh, bring them cookies every week. Isn't that in the passage somewhere? (laughs) Bring them apple pie, something like that. Isn't that how it's in there? I think I see it in there. Between the lines. (laughs) Between the lines of Scripture. What else about chapter 13 as we kind of bring things to a close? Oh, that benediction is uh, Mm. a a great one. and if you take the, some of the, like the prepositional phrases away mm-hmm. from there, and you yeah. you realize there's a prayer that God would equip us, or make us complete, or make us perfect in every good work, and you look at the verse 20, and you uh, mm. see the God who will make us perfect. He's the God of peace. He's the God of the resurrection of resurrection power. Mm. He's a shepherd, mm. and. Uh, he did this through the blood of his, the atonement, the everlasting covenant. And then he makes you perfect for what, what purpose? Verse 21, to do mm. his will, to make you pleasing to him, and uh, so that you glorify him. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And uh, that's just a beautiful passage. It should be read. Now, may the, now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, that definitely should be read. And I like what he says in verse 22. He says, I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to pay attention to what I have written in this brief exhortation. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't brief. Thirteen long chapters, a lot to think about. Right. Um, and uh, But yeah, and it's a great... I guess doxology. Mm-hmm. Doxology is that right. correct terminology? I would think so. Yeah. As you're ending the book, that's that's very very important because he says, "May the God of peace, you know, who brought Jesus again up from the dead, you know, he goes on all these types of things." So, um, the God of peace here, God begins the book. Excuse me, God ends the book, and of course, God begins the book because remember mm-hmm. chapter one, verse one, God who at various times and in various ways, ways yep has given us final revelation through the Son. Now this same God who brought Jesus up from the dead, um, and through Jesus he can equip you with all you need. Mm-hmm. Anything else about the book of Hebrews in general? No, I don't have anything else. 13 chapters. From what I understand, one last thing is that um, the book of Hebrews, as the exhortation, a lot of scholars and students will say this, it's meant to be heard more than it's meant to actually be looked at and studied on paper. Like it's better if you hear the argument like an audio Bible mm-hmm. as it's being read to you rather than reading it. So if you're trying to get some more out of the book of Hebrews, that might be another option for you to hear it on um, as it's being read to you. Some of you like to do that in your car on the way to work. A Bible uh, gateway. Or, or a Bible other. gateway where a program where it reads it to mm-hmm. you. Um, there's probably a lot of them out there. Your iPad probably reads it to you as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, to hear it, um, because that's important. Just like when a sermon is preached, that's why people think that Hebrews is one big long sermon. That's a long sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, one big long sermon because it's meant to be heard more than it's meant to be read. It's meant both. And we're thankful that we have it that can read it, but it's also meant to be heard. So that'll give you a little bit uh, something else to try. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we will start um, the month of September and we will, well, end of August into September, and we'll start with a new theme. I think Jesus the Coming King 
is the theme uh, for the month of September um, with some new studies in September. So that's all we have for this week. Listen, if you have any questions about anything, always remember you can send us an email to BibleReading at lmbc.org. You can go online and find the latest reading at lmbc.org slash rooted. Rooted is the name of our Bible reading program. All the information is there. So that's all we have time for this week. We'll see you guys next time.